Sam. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And welcome to Athenaeum, a podcast about writing, literature, and the culture that beats them. The music for this episode comes from Ivan Dutch at ivandutch.com. And today we're discussing kind of what we recommend. We talked last week about you know, how do we recommend, like, what, what are we doing for this year? 2022, new year, new me. And there might be some of you out there, or maybe some of you out there who have friends who don't read or have, are a person who doesn't read a ton. And today we're planning on talking about how do we recommend books? How do we kind of, through the slew of books that we read over the years, come up with a concise kind of spiel that we give to folks and say, Please read books. Books are great. <laughs> books love you. And you should love books. I don't well, know. I, like, how do you guys even approach that? If somebody's like, oh, you read a lot. What should oh, I read? I get that all the time. Like, all the time. And actually, I had that happen earlier today, in fact. Um, my buddy who goes on and on about how he does not read. He is not into reading. Actually, it was like, hey, something about reading a book. And what wow. what do you what do you think I should read? I was like, well, wait a minute. Sam, did sure? your heart swell three sizes? <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and for this particular person, I first I asked him, um, and I think this is a good question to start off with for anyone who comes to you and they're like, I want to read a book, which is, do you prefer nonfiction, real stories, or fiction? Like just. Just that simple question, because he's like, I like history a lot. I'm like, okay, okay, and um, it, and it's something that to me, I can't just recommend a book to a stranger very well if they don't read because I don't know them. Um, this person I know pretty well, and so I actually gave him a very short list. I said for nonfiction, um, if you like history and you're kind of into governmenty things, but you don't want to get into politics so much. Uh, this book called, let me pull it up, Killers of the Moon, The Osage Murders in the Birth of the FBI by David Gran is super great. And, and it is literally about the investigations that caused the FBI to be created by, oh, um, oh, Hoover, by Hoover. So when Hoover wasn't president, Hoover? this... What? Uh, no, I was just saying Herbert Hoover. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, Edgar Hoover, not Herbert Hoover, Edgar Hoover. Edgar uh, Allen Hoover. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was happening there was that they, so the Sage were very rich Native American group. And the way that their money worked is they were oil rich, but their money had to be managed by a white person that then basically gave them allowances. And these Native Americans just started showing up dead or disappearing. And because it is non-federal land, right, they are their own nation, you couldn't have the local um, authorities come in and investigate. So they ended up creating the FBI and over the course of, I think it was five years, put together a case and figured out what was going on. And it's really interesting it's a book that borders half narrative nonfiction. for those of you who don't know narrative nonfiction is basically nonfiction told as if it was a fictional story but based in historical facts 
meeting with what I think most people think of as a traditional nonfiction, more of like a history textbook. Then the other one I recommended to him, which is a full-on narrative nonfiction, is The Hot Zone by Richard Preston. And it's one I always recommend to people who think that they like storytelling devices, but want something that is nonfiction. The Hot Zone is about Ebola and the Ebola scare of, I believe it was the 90s. And goes into I kind think of. I had to read that in environmental sciences. Like speaking of books, we had to read in school. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I had to read this. Oh yeah, we had to read it in school in my geography class, actually, because it goes into the geography of how diseases spread. Um, and as far as a nonfiction goes, it's very engaging. It is a narrative, and um, it's one of those where. It's just really fascinating for the scientific half of it, too. Um, And then the other two that I recommended to him that are usually really solid defaults for fiction for me um, is if you like science fiction or think you are interested in science fiction, but you really don't want to commit to a big book, you just kind of want to dip your toes, is The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. They're novellas. And they're under 200 pages, and they follow this android, I think is what he technically is. He's part human, part part robot, but controlled by the normal robot analytics of, you know, you can't kill the people that you're protecting. And his job is he's a sec bot. He's a security bot. And it turns out that he has hacked his governing module, the thing that, you know, prevents him from doing things he's not supposed to and forcing him to listen to the current correct people. But he is, he pretends like it works because all he wants to do is what he's not having to protect the humans, the dumb humans that he has to protect. He just likes to sit in his room and watch TV shows, guys. And like, <laughs> he's adorable. He's wonderful. Murderbot is the best. I say he, they, it is a they. Um, the other thing too I like with Murderbot is for more progressive people, um, it is definitely science fiction and you're reading it from the viewpoint of Murderbot and reading through their um, lens of things and they don't really understand human relationships or anything like that or gender norms and um, it's actually really a good read for that. It's one of the few books that I think does a really really good job of addressing those topics because they're indirect and they don't matter to Murderbot. Um, and then the last one that is another default for mine is if they like fantasy, but they don't want to get into Lord of the Rings or something that is really high fantasy and they're, you know, open to or intrigued by urban fantasy (laughs) is, um, Mercy Tom. Sam, do you like urban fantasy? I do. I do. I read a lot. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. I know. I am. Do, do I try and get people in on urban fantasy? Would they come and ask me for a book to read? Yes. And I have a default for it. I know. <laughs> What's the default? Uh, the Mercy Thompson series by Patricia Briggs. The first one is Moon Called, though I am double. Yep, Mer- Moon Called by Patricia Briggs. And it follows Mercy Thompson, who she is a lady mechanic. She works on volkswagens and german built stuff and she has a 
degree in, I believe it's history, but she ended up being a mechanic because she couldn't find a job with her history major because, you know, history major. <laughs> and um, it turns out she's actually, uh, for anyone who has inf- some knowledge on Native American myths, she is a skinwalker. And in this case, that means that she can turn into a coyote and that she also can see ghosts and communicate with them. Um, How different is a coyote from a werewolf? In this case, that's the best part, okay? That's why, that's usually what sells this book, right? Because there are werewolves, but they're not your cuddly werewolves. They're not your rom-com, you know, werewolves. They're not your Jacobs? They're not your Jacobs. These werewolves eat people. (laughs) Um, Being a werewolf is not something that normal people want to be. It's generally a curse that, you know, they get because another werewolf attacked them and they managed to live instead of dying. And then, hey, you lived. Now you're a werewolf and you want to eat raw meat all the time and have anger issues. Welcome. (laughs) Oh, it looks like there's a graphic novel of this as well. There is. pretty nice watercolor art. Yeah, um, I will say for the graphic novel, um, and this is something that I have noticed across the board with books turned graphic novel, is that they spend a lot of money on the cover of the book that is not the art style that is within the graphic novel. Um, Oh, yeah, that's fairly common. Yeah, so I feel like for people who don't read graphic novels, though, they get really disappointed because the covers build it up too much. Um. This cover yeah. almost looks like Jim Lee's artwork. Almost. Somebody doing their best to copy it, I think. But they, um, but th- that's usually my default for urban fantasy because for people who, there's a little bit of romance. It is not a romance novel at all, though. Uh, and then it has a lot of adventure, a lot of fighting. And then there's also a really good job of. Um, more of the historical style myths, you know, Fae in the old world Irish sense that couldn't lie but would trick you and, you know, they did not have your best interest in heart. You have the old school werewolves of the creature in the dark that hunts you. Um, and you still do have a bit of romance through it, but it's not... This is the kind of book that if your 14-year-old can handle... Uh, action and fighting and you know the description of some gore almost horror things there aren't any adult scenes which I think is something too that's kind of unique to find in urban fantasy and I think puts a lot of people off of urban fantasy is the idea that it's a romance and it's it can be but Mercy's Moon Cult Patricia Briggs default urban fantasy recommendation and I have recommended it to so many of my friends who weren't into reading, and it has a good good pacing, good writing, it's engaging, the characters are well fleshed out, um, as, as do all of those other books, and I think that that's kind of a big key for recommending a book to someone who hasn't read in a long time, is having a book that will catch their attention and keep it, has really intriguing and interesting characters, and has a plot that will keep them going. So those are my really solid default recommendations. They're very different from recommendations I give to other readers, though. 
So can I do like a quick gut check? Yeah. What is urban fantasy compared to like classic fantasy? So urban fantasy is set in the modern world recognizable like to generally between the 1980s to modern day, uh, maybe in the 1970s to modern day. And the other kind of big thing with urban fantasy is there's twofold. You have the urban fantasy, which this one is, that's at least starts out this series does, where the normal humans don't know that these creatures exist, that magic is real. Okay. Um, the other side of urban fantasy you will get is that it is our exact world if fantasy, if magic was real. So um, versus like more of the mid fantasy or high fantasy, um, there might be tidbits that are recognizable, but they're more recognizable in like a historical sense of okay. our society. So, yeah. And that's why I think to urban fantasy can be a really good gateway book for people interested in fantasy because you're not trying to learn a bunch of words that mean nothing. You're not trying to figure out how things work. Like, yeah, they have refrigerators. It's great. There's a car. It's a normal car. It's a Volkswagen Bug from 1978. Like, <laughs> it's not this. It's old, but we can work with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, um, the because the other book that I like a lot that I recommend to people who read and are interested in more like that mid-fantasy getting into more of the world building is by... Ooh, let me. Oh, what is that? Oh no. Oh no, I'm having a blank, guys. I own this oh. entire series too. Oh no. Anne Bishop. The Babysitters Club. <laughs> um, <laughs> written in red by Anne Bishop. <laughs> so is written in red um will get put in urban fantasy because it's in a world similar to us in that they have a post office and they have cities and the world they describe is very much like North American and European and African. And, but that's where it, it diverges really big in that in this, in the written in red world, you have, um, they have microwaves. They don't call them microwaves. They call them something else. Uh, they don't have, they have shape shifters, but they're not were creatures. And the aware creatures usually human with the ability to change. These are creatures that are they learn from other things how to become that shape, right? So they don't have that shape dictated. It is a changeable shape that can change as they learn more about the creatures that they're trying to mimic. Oh, anamorphs. <laughs> Guys, guys, we should do a drunk review of Animorphs. No, oh, let's please. <laughs> I don't think Rob's ready for that. Drunk review of Animorphs covers. That yeah. would be oh, fun. Oh, be. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the entire library stack just to have us verbally talk about. Well, I turned it a little bit to the left, and now it's an ant, and now it's a human. Uh, you know, you guys will be the first people probably in 17 years to check out an Animorphs book. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with uh, Goosebumps, so we made it through that one. Yes. I liked uh, my Goosebumps story. I, I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was the first time it was checked out in the last 17 years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, the 
If you were to ask me for a high fantasy style novel, I recommend anything by Robin McKinley. Um, specifically The Blue Sword by Robin McKinley. Sam, what the heck's high fantasy? High fantasy is where um, there might be recognizable bits to our world or history, but almost everything is made up. The world is made up, the names are made up, the locations are made up, what their powers are, the creatures. So high fantasy, the stereotype everyone thinks of is Lord of the Rings, um, the time- I was thinking Hunger Games. Hunger, so Hunger Games is a weird one. <laughs> Hunger Games is dystopian. It's dystopian. You called Hunger Games high fantasy? Is that <laughs> is that really the illusion you've been living under, Joe? <laughs> Let's be very clear that 80% of my reading is contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. And everybody's I... humans falling in love with other humans doing yes. human things. That happens um, in the Hunger Games. And it's, they are all humans. All of them are humans. Right, oh but there's goodness. some, like, weird creatures. Yes, <laughs> but those are, that's, so I would say Hunger Games falls under science fiction. If you're going to put it Thank under you. those, it's science fiction. I like thought it, this was a safe space, Rob. Oh, it, I mean, <laughs> it, about literature. it's a safe space to <laughs> learn, Joe. This is an I, educational space. <laughs> Hunger Games is would be science fiction. <laughs> but Rob, Robin McKinley, across the board, all of her books are, um, I think, are considered high fantasy, maybe mid fantasy, because one, they, a lot of them are based off like Beauty and the Beast or um, more like his traditional fairy tales is the initial premise of it. And then she takes that idea and then fully fleshes it out to her own world and really shapes it so that while you can recognize the original myth, um, it is her own interpretation. And the reason I do the blue sword is the blue sword is is a high fantasy, but it still has those notes that make it easier to pick up. You're not, again, dealing with a whole new set of language rules and elvish and dwarvish and, and that kind of thing. You're dealing with a book that is, um, I think it's about 350 pages, maybe. And um, it, it hits some really good notes. It's really well written. It moves through quickly. And it's one where, too, if you read The Blue Sword and you can't finish it because of the fantasy, well, that that's a good indication of high fantasy and mid-fantasy is not your cup of tea. <laughs> And oh, wait, so what is, sorry, yeah. what is the Lunar Chronicles with Cinder and Scarlet and all of the, like, science fiction, a hundred percent science fiction, it's still science fiction. Isn't there like yes. a robot foot on one of the covers? Yeah, there is. That is, that is correct. <laughs> is that not fantasy? No, I'm pretty, you know, I, I will check. We're going to check on the Goodreads and see what the Goodreads says. Um, science fiction, hundred percent science fiction. <laughs> it falls. What it falls under, though, young adult. <laughs> it is. It is young adult. And um, what that ends up falling under is a fairy tale retelling. But a fairy tale retelling doesn't need to be fantasy. You can do a fairy tale retelling, and it is a contemporary with no magical. You can do it with the Lunar Chronicles. Does it over and over again with science fiction. Um, 
And that is another thing, too, that you can ask the person of, well, are you into fairy tale retellings? You know, do you like watching Cinderella style movies? Do you I think what asking them what kind of movies they like, too, is a good you know, indicator to try and push them someplace that they would like to go. Um, I want to see a sci-fi retelling of Shrek. <laughs> I'm in for it. That that would actually that might know. be kind of awesome actually that that would be that would be I, pretty great. Guys, I'm kind of, my mind's just like I'm speechless right now because my mind is blown because I don't think I read a single fantasy book. I read 150 books last year. And I don't think I read a fantasy book. Um, did well, you, you read really? a lot of comics. I would I would say a lot of comics. No, count most as fantasy. of the comics are this year. Like oh, I, oh. well, I don't think. Hold on. When you're saying this year, you mean... 2022. You didn't read any comics in 2021? Unclear. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. I will say, like, superheroes are their own section. Like... That's true. They are separate from fantasy or science fiction. Like, superheroes do the superhero things, and they are their own. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm... You, you you remember what we were talking about the last episode? Finding books to recommend people? Oh. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it, Rob? I'm going to find a fantasy, a high fantasy book that Joe will enjoy. And I actually already have a couple ideas. Uh-huh. I mean, my recommendation Joe, is The Blue Sword. 100% Blue Sword by Robin McKinley is fantastic. I... I just haven't read a fantasy. I'm so good at every other genre, y'all. Wait, no, wait. Is the the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue not? That's fantasy. You read fantasy. I guess like that, and it's like very. It's not high fantasy, and it's not. No, it's fantasy, n- so no, it, my, it's not. My two it's favorite can... books last year that... were The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue and The House mm-hmm. on the Cerulean Sea, which yes. I think that are both like. Dipping their toe into fantasy. They are fantasy realism. Yeah. Yep, that'd be fantasy realism. Where we gotta it's... get you a... <laughs> I read Mistborn two or three years ago. See, and that's what that's... I argue is science fiction. Like, I science get... Science fiction? Yeah, I think that's way... Because he tries to put way too much science in that for a fantasy novel. Like, a fantasy novel would be like, yeah... You know, you burn this chemical and you do this, the end. He's like, oh, you do this and then you use magnetic pulls and you push and you pull and you do these things like that. It feels like you're trying to be sciencey. Not only that, but it's, you know, a whole world spoilers for Mistborn for anyone who hasn't read it and wants to read it. Go la 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 for the next 10 seconds. But the whole world has been uh, covered by smoke and that's why there is, it is science fiction. I will argue that days i would i would say it's science fantasy because it's using science in make-believe ways i mean isn't that science fiction though (laughs) i kind of think of science fiction as being fiction based around science as opposed to right fake science is science fiction right like it is mostly science and a little bit of like stretching science. That's why 
I think Hunger Games doesn't strike me as science fiction. It strikes me as dystopian and then other things. Oh. But yeah, well, technically... I think we're losing the plot a little yes, bit. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Joe needs to read some fantasy this year. Is the end result? I will say, but again, we gotta if, find the fantasy. If people were asking me, "Hey, I don't really read. What should I read?" I would highly recommend *The House in the Cerulean Sea*. Mm-hmm. It's quirky. It's unique. It's full of lovely characters, a very clear plot line, and you really get absorbed into it. The same thing with Invisible Life of Hattie LaRue, where it has very good writing, a very clear plot line, and a lovely main character. If you're looking for something a little bit deeper, like my mom texted me asking for like good drama narrative with great writing, I have to recommend The Gentleman in Moscow, where it's a little bit of a deeper dive. It's not the kind of froofy stuff you might pick up, but it's good darn writing. <laughs> and so, so those are my picks of if you're looking to get back into reading and you want books that don't have any pictures in them, because I still highly recommend graphic novels as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. What is it? Persepolis? Persepolis? I'm getting that wrong. I know what you're talking about. I do not. <laughs> Persepolis. Uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty famous graphic novel. By Marjane Satrapi. Um, is fantastic. The story of a childhood. Like, there are so many good graphic novels. Or I read the graphic novel of the Slaughterhouse-Five novel. Which gave me goosebumps every page because I love a slaughterhouse five and it was just a different way to reinterpret the story. I don't know. I, there's some people who are going, don't read comic books. So I've been reading the Lumberjane series in comic book form over the last week or so. People say, don't do that. That doesn't count as a book, but it does. It certainly does. All these people, whoever's telling you, hey, that doesn't count as a book. I would, I would ask them, what is a book? Just, just get really into the nitty gritty of it. A book is, I mean, it is a story in written form. That's all a book is. If it's a story and it's written down, it's a book. I I think the one thing that we are picking up on is that if you're someone who's looking for a recommendation, um, one thing that helps is either going to someone that you know, who knows you well, or going to someone who reads the things that you're interested in reading in. Like, if you're interested in reading a graphic novel, I do read graphic novels. I do not recommend graphic novels because I... I judge graphic novels more on their um, the artwork style than on the content of the story. So I like I I just don't ever if someone asks me for a graphic novel recommendation, I'm like I don't know they're good. Maybe go check out a list on the internet. <laughs> like, um, 
because I just I don't read that many and I'm very picky and my pickiness has nothing to do with the plot. It doesn't have anything to do with the story. It's a visual um, aspect that is is unique to every person. Right. Um, and I just I don't I don't delve into that area. I delve into lots of other book recommendations. Um, and, and I think that's actually something that makes recommending books to other people really hard too because you also don't want to recommend a book and then have someone hate it and come back and blame you and it's like well I you're not them when you recommend a book so if you recommend a book to someone and they end up not liking it I it can feel really bad for the person who did the recommendation and you you shouldn't everyone is different and it's it's not easy to recommend books to people, really. Even if you do yeah. read a lot, not everyone's good at it. I, I, I think the other potentially hot take is let us know. This isn't a hugely large podcast, so send us an email. Send us an Instagram message. Hey, I'm interested in X, Y, and Z. We can brainstorm. Mm-hmm. Beta, give you guys recommendations, and if you hate it, cool at least you opened up a book and Mm -hmm. that can kind of spark something else and i don't know it's the same thing when you're trying to find your favorite coffee beverage Mm -hmm. at starbucks or anything else in your life you have to try a few things that are going to taste a little better before you figure out what you really love and and the good thing too about trying it is if you try it and then you can come back and tell us maybe why you didn't like it or if they're you know, actually, you asked for a fantasy and you realize you don't like fantasy, you'd actually like to try a contemporary novel, you know, you, you can keep trying. Let me tell things. you about the recommendations I have about <laughs> contemporary novels that aren't fantasy. Joe's the one to talk to. I, I think my problem is the contemporary novels, I end up, by the time I get to them, they're no longer super new. Like, I... I enjoy them. Um, I like to wait until the buzz has died down and I can actually actually get my hands on a copy at the library. <laughs> so, I, yeah, they're really I good. I love the though. latest and greatest. <laughs> so, there's two kinds of spirits that I go into when I quote unquote recommend a book. One is like the general, this is a good book that I think other people would enjoy to me that's not really like a recommendation as much as it's just me telling you hey this is a good book that i think other people would enjoy and i'm just directing that message at you i think when i actually recommend a book to someone it's because something about that book made me think of them um, for example, when I read Till We Have Faces by, um, by C.S. Lewis, reading that book made me think of a friend that I have just because of kind of like the themes that it deals with and knowing that she's interested in stuff like that. Um, and when I recommended it to her, I mean, I, I wouldn't say like, it's not like we were the best of friends, you know. I, I didn't know her like up and down and all around. 
But like, I just got that general sort of idea. Like, this seems like a book that if she knew about, she would read. And that's kind of how I do my recommendations. I mean, you guys read a lot more than me. So you're going to have a lot more, I guess, instances, I feel like, in which you would think to recommend a book to someone just because you read more books. But I know for me, it's it's usually this book made me think of you is basically my recommendation. And I know that uh, the particular cir- circumstance I mentioned earlier, she actually really liked that book. And we had like a whole, I mean, like a three hour conversation about it. And that was really nice. Uh, so there's something to consider as well. You know, I mean, if uh, someone out there is like, I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase it, but uh, looking for a book to recommend to some other other person or <laughs> like why you recommend books. I mean, I don't have any book, I think, that I like recommend to everyone outside of like, the classics like <clears throat> the grapes of wrath <laughs> or uh even even like breakfast at tiffany's did you guys know that that's a book yes i did no it is a really good book yes uh joe you you might like it um it is a really good book and it's not very long either um that's you know those kinds of books like classics or anne of green gables or Alice in Wonderland, you know, those are books that I recommend to like everyone because they have value outside of just what the book is about. You know, they've, they've reached a point where they're kind of a part of our culture. Uh, but when it comes to making like a personal, Hey, you, my specific friend. <laughs> yeah. It, it's usually not something that I can just do. Like I have to already read a book and think of you while I'm reading that book. If that makes sense. Yeah. There's something really sweet about that, Rob. Like, hey, I read this book and I thought of you. That's like a love language in itself. And my really cheesy self. One of my friends reaches out to me and is like, hey, I think you'd really appreciate reading this book or I read this and I thought of you. I don't know. It's the same as like a bouquet of flowers. So tell your friends that you're thinking about them when you read books. Yeah. Well, and... I, I am something of a romantic. <laughs> I I think my thing is usually because when it comes to classics and books like that, generally how people will approach me is more, "Hey, I was thinking of reading this book. What do you do? You, you know, what's your opinion of it before they start it?" Um. Like my buddy who reads Ayn Rand and then he was looking at maybe reading Dune and I'm like, well, you know, I like Dune. It's going to be uh, different. It's yep. It's going to be different. (laughs) It's um, and that's kind of how when it comes to classics, I usually approach classics very different from more contemporary recommendations because I feel like with classics, um, You you can find a list for them, right? And so 
I usually will only recommend classics if someone's interested in reading them. Um, right. I think it needs to be a mentality, right? Like mm-hmm. if somebody's yeah. saying, hey, I'm getting back into reading for the first time, or I really like these handful of books, what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, have you tried Sense and Sensibility? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It, the classics need to be something that you're mentally prepared to go into. Mm-hmm. Similar, like if somebody's saying, I've had a couple of books that I really liked, what do you recommend? I'm not going to recommend, I don't know, an emotionally jarring nonfiction book on eviction mm-hmm. like evicted if they're in the mood for high fantasy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i don't know you have to like listen to your body what what does your body need yeah. in terms of literature and and i think too um well one question i i will actually openly ask people who ask me that you know, what book do you recommend? Because usually the people who ask me are more so co-workers. Um, some of mm-hmm. my friends will ask me, but those friends are generally readers. And they're like, hey, I'm looking for a book. What do you recommend? And that's a very different approach from the co-worker of, hey, I haven't read, you know, since before I started college. And this is, you know, they're 23 and finally have free time again. They're like, hey, what would you recommend? That's a very different recommendation from my friends who really really like to read and that's where my basis of book reading comes from or recommendations come from are you know co-workers ask me or the other one I find too is like say you're at a board game night or something and someone finds out you're a big reader and they come up and approach you and like hey what do you recommend I think that's why I have the like my staunch fall back these are good books these are always good books and you know it gives them a place a starting point like a stepping stone it's the first stepping stone i feel really confident that this is a good representation of the stepping stone (laughs) whereas like dune dune's really great i don't throw anyone at dune unless they're prepared to read that right i think i think it just needs to be a catered recommendation mm-hmm. or it yeah. needs to be a more approachable book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing we haven't talked about is trigger warnings, right? Like yes. there's mm-hmm. some people who aren't in a place to receive books that involve very harmful things that are mm-hmm. reflective of things that might've happened in their life. Mm-hmm. And there are some websites and some inside book covers that are really good about saying, hey, this involves X, Y, Z thing. It might but- not be something that you are ready for, and I want to make sure you're mentally ready for it. And so understanding that you don't want to recommend Lolita to all of your coworkers. Because yes. you don't know kind of what life they've lived. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will admit that that's something that I am bad about asking, and the other reason why I have my fallbacks and why I make a point of describing them the way that I I did, right? Of, this is about Ebola, this is about, you know, the birth of the FBI, this is about werewolves Mm -hmm. that eat people, like... (laughs) If you came from a commune that ate a bunch of people, maybe that's not a good book for you. Or or if you, you know, you don't like gore, you don't like action, um... Oh, that's a better descriptor. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I 
one thing I think it's important to like to listen to your experience and not try and power through it like find books that fit what you're interested in not what you think people think you should be interested in well and if you come if you are looking for a book recommendation and you're wanting you know something with you're wanting a romance and you are okay with the um over 18 romance um you need to tell the person that you're asking that because Joe, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like we're both wary of ever recommending anything that has anything explicit to to first time readers. Um, <laughs> I think we might be opposite in that. In oh, I sorry. Okay, maybe it's just me. <laughs> explicit content to my underage siblings. <laughs> I, I know that you're 16, but you probably know about this. Please read Red, White, and Royal Blue. Um, <laughs> Which is a very sexually explicit book. <laughs> but, like, that's that's something, too, that... I, what, we're, what we're trying to say, everyone, is it's it's not easy. And if you're interested, Joe said, send us an email, shoot us a message on Instagram. We will happily recommend you some books. But it's hard to just say some blatant books that, you know, oh, for sure, start with this one when... Not everyone likes that book, and it's okay that you don't like a book that other people like. Everyone has their own opinions. It's just coming from nowhere, it's hard to recommend books. If you are into movies, I think um, having movies that you like, that you bring to the forefront of, hey, I haven't read a book since high school, but I do like these movies. Like, I like the action movies, or I like rom-coms, or I really loved The Martian, in which case read the martian <laughs> it's actually very close to the movie you'll enjoy it it is, it is. and if you if you watched ready player one but you wanted it to have more 80s references read the books read the books guys read the books the books are good I, I think that's another really good place of if you are wanting to get into reading and you are you really like a series or a movie Go and see if that is based off of a book and then give the book a shot. That might be, that's a really good place to start. Yes, highly recommend. Okay, let's do a quick round robin on if there was one book. So say I am John John Doe and I'm saying, hey, I'd really like to just get back into reading. Do you have a fiction book that you would recommend? Sam, what do you say? Just general fiction, Ready Player One. Rob, what do you say? That I think anybody would enjoy. I'm just John Doe. Someone walks up to the street and... and (laughs) Peter Pan. Ooh, I like that oh, one. that's a good one. Yeah. I no. think I'd say Thursday Murder Club. It's a classic cozy mystery. And I love a bunch of geriatric people who can solve a murder. <laughs> uh, Real oh, resonance okay. with, with Joe. Hey, we have to read the sequel, guys. I have it. Okay. I'm sitting I, right here. It's uh, on I my short list. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you read it already without us? Yeah. Oh, you Ooh. traitor. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you join us again in a next time when we will be discussing Project Hail Mary. You know, if you were thinking, why are they mentioning the Martians so much? Andy Wire is on the brain, and Project Hail Mary got a ton of attention in 2021. So, hoping to dip my toe into sci-fi, apparently more than I've already dipped my toe into sci-fi, because I thought they were all fiction, but they were just sci-fi. Um, until then, y'all, subscribe, drop a like, and send us any comments on Instagram at Athenium Podcast, or send us an email at athenium lit at gmail.com. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Bye, guys.